So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Welcome to Outpost of Heaven, the podcast, guys. This is Emily, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Hey, guys. We're excited to have you here with us today. This is a going to be a fun episode. I'm super excited. For a lot of reasons. One, Emily is currently in inactive labor. What would you say? You're Pre-labor? I don't know. Pre-labor. <laughs> we'll She's see. contracting, having contractions regularly, but she does this whole thing where she likes to lead us on well, for a week. I don't like to lead you on for a week. <laughs> <laughs> and she has regular contractions for a week, and yeah. this is where we're at. So she's currently on a medicine ball. Not a medicine ball. A, that would be weird. A yoga ball? What is this called? A birthing ball? A birthing ball? A yoga ball? I don't know. One of the big balls that you're supposed to bounce on when you're pregnant. <laughs> um, and so I'm hoping that her water breaks somewhere towards the end of this episode. That would be awesome. So hopefully you can hear it. Well, that would be weird. That would be too would it be much. Weird? That's like too I think it would be cool. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, so we're really excited today for that reason and also because we have our really great friend, Courtney Richardson, here with us. Hi. We're super excited to have you here. Uh, Courtney is an awesome person. And so even if she wasn't talking about this awesome topic that she's very qualified to talk about and very knowledgeable about, we would have her on because she's a wonderful person. And she brings an awesome spirit with her wherever she goes. And you can tell that she's committed to the values that we're committed to as an, as or at Outpost of Heaven. She's committed to making her home an Outpost of Heaven for not only for her and her children, but for everybody that comes into it. And so... We're super excited to have you here today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Oh, hold on. Topic that we're talking about. I didn't say that, did we? <laughs> like we did not. Yeah, we're talking about how great Courtney is. Uh, we're going to be talking about education and specifically homeschooling today. And I think that's super relevant right now across the country anyways because of how unsure everybody is about school with the pandemic and everything. Some people are going virtual. Some people are going like... A couple days a week and some are homeschooling and some are all the way in school so it's like everybody has this choice to make or this difficult schooling situation that they're in and I feel like a lot of people right now are turning to homeschool and so this is really relevant definitely I'm getting a lot of calls from friends that I have in different states and yeah. it's interesting to see how it's being handled in each state and how that's affecting the moms and their choices and mm-hmm. um, it's just really it is it's an interesting time for school and homeschool and all of those kinds of things. Um, I am, I have four kids and my husband and I live here just real close to you guys and it's, it's great because we have some good options. We have schools that are highly rated and my older kids go to the public school. I actually can you, have... Um, can you, sorry, can yeah, you tell us the ages of your kids? Absolutely. My oldest is 17. He is a senior in high school. Then I have a 15-year-old who is a sophomore at our public high school. Then my um, two younger kids are 11 and 9 and they both homeschool. And I actually had my kids going to regular public school. I always planned to have them public school. I was public schooled, most of us were. And I um, I came upon public school, I mean, um, the idea of homeschool kind of hit me like all at once. It seemed like it was like all around me. People were talking about it all the time. And then I started having some trouble in the school with my, um, my oldest when he was in sixth grade. Just some things that were really concerning to me, some bad influences and some things that Um, brought up some red flags for me. And so when I prayed about it, I started feeling really uneasy about school and started praying about what to do about it. And that's when like everybody seemed to be talking about homeschool around Mm me. And as soon as I got on my knees, you know, I got an answer really fast, faster than most things I pray about. So it was, it was a good choice for us. And the irony of it is, is that my oldest child never actually did homeschool. He chose. I was just going (laughs) to ask. I was like, wait, that was sixth grade, but he's a senior now and in public school. Yes. What happened with that? (laughs) Yes. So I think, you know, there's a lot to be said. It's an important choice. And 
when you're starting with a kindergartner, it's different than when you're starting with an 11 year old who mm -hmm. has different factors. And we let our two oldest kids choose at the time that they were already in public school. They chose to, um, well, we gave them the choice. And so our oldest decided to public school because he is an avid basketball player and he wanted to play on the team. Mm -hmm. And we don't play on Sundays, so most of the tournament team opportunities were, he was excluded from those because they're weekend, Saturday and Sunday tournaments. So the only thing he had was like local ball and it wasn't super competitive. So he stayed with the school where he was able to be on a team. Were there any um, homeschool leagues at the time? Yeah, there actually is a homeschool league and they have basketball and they have football and they have band and choir and all kinds of stuff. There's so many opportunities, especially in our community, for homeschoolers, pretty much anything you can think of, art classes, PE, there's, I mean, so the sky's whole, the limit. The whole concern about like homeschooling, homeschooled kids don't get social opportunities, that's basically a myth and is dead now, right? Like it there's is. enough opportunity out there for them to be socially. Absolutely. Social. And really, <laughs> you know, the, um, it's like, the, it's kind of the inside joke of the homeschool moms that like everybody outside of homeschooling thinks that socialization is the issue and everybody in right. homeschool is like you guys think socialization is important our kids are with people all the time you yeah. know like they're out doing real things they're out helping us buy our car they're out shopping with us they're out planning like my kids right now are trying to become entrepreneurs and they've got this whole That's book so cool. and a plan and all kinds of things and so you know school is kind of a weird situation that you'll never be in again when you're in a room with a bunch of people the same age as you everybody being treated exactly the same, mm -hmm. taught like a cookie cutter curriculum and graded depending on a certain set of I mean, of criteria that may or may not be valuable to you in mm -hmm. the future. And so it's kind of a contrived circumstance. And um, but, but there's a lot of good things and you just kind of have to make the most of whatever works for each child, I feel right. like. And it's different, different families look different. So Merrick okay. decided to stay in public school Jack, Rush, and Reese all chose to homeschool. And so we did that for three years. And um, we had a great time. We learned a lot. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> begin to tell you, but we'll get into that in a minute. And Jack, after three years, Jack really wanted to be with friends. He has a lot of social desire to be with other kids. And mm -hmm. so his social needs are pretty high. So he wanted to go back to school. So we did. We let him. We introduced him back into school through a small, pub, um, small Christian school for one year. And now he's back in the public high school. And um, most of the time I think he likes it, but there's definitely things he doesn't like about it. And I think the same is true for my oldest. He, mm -hmm. he doesn't love everything about it. And I, I don't feel like school by itself helps you become like a love of learner kind of person. Yeah. It feels a lot more like jail to a lot of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that that necessarily covers all areas of their life. They like yeah. to learn things that they want to learn. And mm -hmm. so... And that's them. And then Jack is back in school. So now I'm teaching my fourth and sixth graders this year. And this is going to be our sixth year of homeschooling. And every year I say it's the best year yet, but it really, it really is. is. <laughs> it is It is the best year. It just keeps getting better every that's year. Cool. So it's pretty fun. So have the younger two, do you give them a choice every year? <clears throat> like, hey, do you want to go to school? Or do you like, because you introduced it with the older two as a choice. Do yeah. the younger kids yeah, I feel like it's a choice. Um, if that makes sense. That's such a good question. <laughs> and it's kind of a loaded probably question. come to like it so much that you haven't given the, give them a choice. It, yeah, thinking about not homeschooling like really does seriously break my heart. Mm -hmm. So it would be really hard. We're not at that point. And for Jack, it was different because um, he he was a different age. He was I don't know, 12, 13. I think he was 13 when we got serious about his choices and stuff. Each child has such a different personality too. So it's definitely each child on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Right. And, um, and I felt like it was respecting his desires, but I also prayed fervently about it. Mm -hmm. And I asked him to pray about it. And we were, you know, very conscientious about it, talked about it as a family a bunch. And we felt good about that decision when we made it. But for my two younger kids, one, they've never been to public school except for Rush went to kindergarten, but he called it bondage. And the last 30 Aww. days he counted down like it was 
like looking forward to <laughs> Christmas. Christmas. He called it. He'd so come sad. home. Twenty eight more days of bondage. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> so How I many mean, kindergartners are walking around using the word bondage. Right? <laughs> I'm just right. He's precocious. So anyway, it's been an interesting path. I don't see them going to public school. I don't. I, I don't really want them to go. To public school, I'd love to do all the way through high school with them and then have them find a path that they're passionate about at that point. And we explore a lot of different things, so I feel like they're going to have a little more of a head start than my other kids because they're just exposed to so many things through field trips, through other um, people who are well-versed in their kind of experts in their fields that they get to be around, different specialty classes that we'll get to take. There's a lot of dual enrollment stuff for high school. so. And there's so many so many little side journeys we could take just off of that oh introduction. Gosh, I have a million questions. But let's, but... <laughs> so let, let's kind of hold it in. Let's focus okay, on, <laughs> you know, the big thing we have to focus on is our why, and then you can break it down into the, the what or the how. You're right? totally right. Because that's how life goes in general. So let's okay. look at, or like everything in life is that. Like you, if you focus too much on just the what or the how, then you kind of miss the point. And so okay. let's look at the why. And I think it kind of comes down to just education in general, what the purpose of education, and then we can break it down to how and why, which would be homeschooling and how you do homeschooling specifically. Excellent, excellent. So when I think about education, and I studied a lot, Emily and I were just both talking about how we love self-help books. There's a ton of homeschool books out there. Um, and there's a lot of different philosophies out there, so I've, I've read a lot of them. And I feel very passionate about it. I've also tried lots of different types of um, teaching and learning. And it always brings me back to what is the purpose of education? Where are we going? What is the vision that we have for ourselves and for our kids? And what is my job as a parent? And when I, when I break it down like that and I think about it like that, I remember that my main purpose as a parent is to help my children get back to Heavenly Father. That is the whole nutshell of what I'm doing here on earth and having a family for. And so each of us is responsible for our own choices, but as a parent, I get to guide my kids, help them discover their own conscience, develop their value system, help them, you know, put their hand in God's hand and help them come to have a personal relationship with Him. And if I'm doing that, what's a little more, you know, on top of that, a little math, a little science, a little history, you know, but the reason people wanted to learn in the first place, the, the reason people became literate is because access to the Bible increased. And when um, Gutenberg invented the, the movable typeset press in the 1400s, we had a big shift. People had to go to church. They had to have the Bible interpreted for them. It limited their freedoms and their understanding. And um, it changed dramatically when people could have the Bible in their own hands and in their own homes. And so that really motivated people to be able to, to read. And it brought people in lower classes up into middle classes and it changed things. And so when we have the colonists coming to the Americas, it was, of course, one of the driving forces. They wanted to be able to follow the dictates of their own conscience. And they wanted to be able to teach their children and be able to um, have them have them interpret it for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting point because I was usually when we think about uh, the frontier and we think about uh, what types of people go and settle new places, you kind of think of like ruffians or people who just like to be in the outdoors. And but like the people who originally settled. I mean, I guess Jamestown was a separate a separate example, but yeah. Plymouth, like the the pilgrims who came to the United States, not the United States, came to North America. Columns, yeah. Uh, they came specifically for this purpose of trying to live their rights. It wasn't just a, uh, a profit venture like Jamestown was. Uh, and their whole goal was to you know, provide this or create this area where they could exercise their, their rights and be free. And they were a very educated group. Well, and they actually were sponsored by the same group. Both Jamestown and Plymouth mm -hmm. were sponsored by the same company and the same businessmen. But um, the... When they came, they came for different reasons. The right. people who came, and like you're saying, they were more educated, they were more motivated by religious beliefs, and there was kind of like a half and half mixture there, but they they were so dedicated to the whole purpose of it. Mm -hmm. And they had this vision of it in their mind's eye. It wasn't just about me and my family, it was going forward, and they were very much compelled by the spirit that was driving them. And so it's a pretty cool history that we have to draw on. Um, and I, as I think about my kids' education, I, 
I love being able to learn new things. I consider myself like a love of learning person. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much my passion. And I didn't really discover it until I started homeschooling. I always like to read. I always like to um, try new things. But I also realized that in focusing on learning and learning how to learn and what that means, it was really kind of powerful because it helped me to be a better gospel learner too. And that's the number one thing that I want my kids to leave my house with is a personal love for Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and also um, a faith that will drive their actions and that will help them want to um, live in the way that would be pleasing to Heavenly Father. So, and I, oh, you had a, you had. I, and I was thinking too that as we come closer to Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father, our desire to learn the things that they know would increase. Right. Uh, Right, because they know Absolutely. all things, and so like the closer we are to them, it's like any friend that you would have. If you have a really smart friend, like you don't want to, like, if you're going to be around them, you want to make sure that you know what they're talking about or what. Right, they you don't want to be like, left out on the conversation. Right. <laughs> so you think that as you get closer to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, that your desire for learning and knowledge would increase too. Yeah, and there's one point I want to emphasize because I think it's really critical. Um, especially in the sense of gospel learning. Uh, So you keep talking about love of learning, whereas I think a lot of the educational philosophy that's common nowadays is Mm -hmm. love of knowledge or love of expertise or love of skill. Oh, yeah. Specialization is obsession. So, (laughs) So highlight that for me and for the listeners. What is the difference between love of learning and why is that so different than love of knowledge? Okay. So knowledge is important and knowledge of all kinds of temporal things, you know, what have you, because when we come back to it, we remember that heavenly father directed the creation of everything and Jesus Christ created the earth and everything that we learn in science is just understanding the laws by which he did those things. And understanding mathematics is understanding the numbers and how everything's quantified in the universe. And it helps us to grow closer to, like you're saying, Emily, Mm -hmm. that knowledge that he has. And so it's all in this big hole, this big circle of knowledge and understanding. Yet when I sent my kids off to public school and elementary school, it was very much compartmentalized and they could not talk about God, the creator of it all, Mm -hmm. where really it's all connected in a big circle. It was just, just itemized for them in columns and separate, completely different teachers, different classrooms, different textbook. They never connected and they never talked about God or the creation. Right. And so if the spirit is who's teaching us everything, we've got to let the spirit in. <laughs> so that's important. And gathering tons of information is can be valuable. Um, Arthur Wellesley, he was the Duke of Wellington. He said, educate men without religion and you make of them but clever devils. And I really think that that's true because it's, it's what we have the education for that makes it meaningful. Mm -hmm. And so when we learn things and become very knowledgeable about certain things, if we're using that in a way to serve our fellow man, it brings us joy. But if we're using that to show how smart we are or to get the biggest house in the neighborhood or just show off, it doesn't ever bring us joy. Yes, it's powerful. Yes, it's showy. Mm -hmm. But what's the point of Mm -hmm. that? And I think it takes experience and time to kind of learn some of those lessons and I want to speed that up for my kids so they don't have to make some of the same mistakes that people have been making for a long time right yeah and I think it kind of goes back to oh I can't remember if it was Nietzsche or if it was more a more recent philosopher it might have been Jung who said this because he wasn't a philosopher he was a psychoanalyst but anyway he said something along the lines of uh you can never derive an ought from and is and so what it meant by that was you can't look at something that is and determine how it ought to be and so you can't you can't derive any meaning or any uh yes any meaning from an observation of the way things are and so you can look at math you can look at science and you can't make any value judgments based off of just facts which kind of goes back to the duke of wellington right right wellington's comment that you have to have meaning attached to that and the way that uh, learning is presented a lot of times is so compartmentalized and it's you can't um, you can't draw meanings or, or draw connections or make connections across disciplines right absolutely and there's a lot of um, bad intentions that 
being smarter can further those bad intentions, right? But um, that's not what we want to teach our children to do. It's not the purpose for becoming smarter. And there's a scripture about it that I love. It's one that um, talks about doing good things with it. And um, in the Book of Morgan, in the Book of Mormon, Jacob talks about it as a warning. And he says, when they're learned, they think they are wise, and they hearken not unto the counsel of God, for they set it aside, supposing they know of themselves. Wherefore their wisdom is foolishness, and it profiteth them not, and they shall perish. Um, and he said that if to be learned is good, if they hearken unto the counsels of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's such an important thing. When my kids get, do really well on something, I always try to remind them, what a blessing that Heavenly Father has given you that talent. What do you think he wants you to do with it? Mm-hmm. It's not just to be the best or the, you know, the top on the, the list. And I so love that you're teaching your kids that. That's such a great principle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, I think that we we try to teach things too young a lot of times. So there's a... Um, like we have high expectations on where they should be at a certain age. Right. And it keeps getting younger and younger where we're trying to have them be like writing a paragraph about themselves in kindergarten. Whoa. Oh. You know, I thought <laughs> yeah. we were going to play with blocks and have some finger paint or something. You know, <laughs> what happened to that? So there's just a lot of research that has been done on the topic. One of the researchers, he's a child development researcher. His name is... <clears throat> Jean Piaget, and he had talked about how when a child comes to um, a, two glasses of water, and he says, if you were super thirsty and you just needed as much water as you could get, which glass of water would you choose? And there's a tall, skinny um, glass next to a shorter but much wider glass, and the child inevitably will choose the taller glass. Right. And he talks about how those two thoughts, the tall, you know, the height of glass, but also the width of the glass coming together to make the volume, they can't, they're not ready yet. Their mind hasn't made those connections yet. They're not mature enough yet. And, um, and then when a, another connection that adds on to that is a, um, it's a little nugget from Plato when he wrote Timaeus. He said that when you have two thoughts that... Um, Two thoughts that are alone but should be conjoined with a third, it's when the third comes and it's an intermediary bond to connect the two and that that's what learning is, that those little connections and that it's a brain synopsis that Mm -hmm. that makes that happen. And I love that because it happens naturally in homeschool all the time because we're having conversations and we're reading lots of different things. Like right now we're reading about Montez, I mean Montezuma and Hernando Cortez and learning about Mexico, but we're also learning about um, about Johann Gutenberg and the Gutenberg Press. And so we've made some really interesting connections, and oftentimes it connects to scriptures too, because some of the different tricks that Cortez used on Montezuma are almost the exact same tricks that Amalekia used, all, probably both in South America, but in different time periods. But we just happen to be at those mm-hmm. same things at the same time and it is so cool and as we're talking about it rush looks at me and goes it's the same thing as the white witch in narnia well we had just (laughs) finished the magician's (laughs) nephew and he goes well edmund thought he was gonna you know the only reason he went to the white witch's castle is because she promised him he'd be a prince he's like it's the same thing cortez is doing the same thing that amalekiah did and i'm like oh my gosh this is fantastic (laughs) you know that's so and i think one thing that plato is getting at is that we don't know. We don't always know exactly what that third thought is that's going to create the synoptical bridge that connects those two ideas, that's the two right. ideas. And so, do approaching education in a holistic or from a holistic perspective provides as many uh, potential third thoughts as possible. Right. And the cool thing is, is because I am in charge of the education. We're blessed in Louisiana. We don't have to do. We don't have to meet any standards or show our curriculum or, I mean, I can just say I'm homeschooling these two kids. I don't want to be um, state sponsored, so I'm going to go on my own and they just need to know how many kids I have and that's all they ask of me. So it is. There's only (laughs) like four states that do do it that way, but it's a lot of freedom and it's wonderful. So like today we were researching Mexico and I let my kids, I wanted them to have a little more experience on the internet. So they got online, they got pictures, we were kind of adding things that went along with the book, the story that we'd been reading. And as they were doing that, 
um, I was getting a poster board for them to cut out the pictures and glue them down. And I was thinking, should I get markers or paint so that they can write Mexico on it? And then it just like hit me like a brick. Oh, get the stamps. It's just like Gutenberg. It's a movable type and it's just a connection. And it was perfect because oh, we're reading all those. That. That's yeah. awesome. And I thought, oh, I hope those ink pads from 10 years ago, some of them were the ones I used for Merrick's baby announcement, the oh. ink pads. I had like <laughs> the baby stroller ink, you know, stamp. Uh -huh. yeah. And I pulled them down and they still had ink in them and we stamped Mexico and it was so much fun. And they wow. said, could we write a note with these stamps to somebody? That would be so cool. It's just like Gutenberg, you know? And it's fun. I didn't have it planned in advance. A lot of things just kind of flow. I have lots of stuff planned, so there's always plenty to do. But it's up to us, and we flow with it, and it's it's really fun. Yeah, and how cool that um, you know, they're not your kids aren't subject to the popular narrative that like learning or like being curious is kind of lame. Right. right? I mean that you see that in a lot of different areas, but I mean especially young kids in a high school environment or in a public school environment. And that's the problem with all this, you know, the not saying they're social... all like that, but like that, that was my experience right. that like one can poison the well. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was like, it was kind of like, kind of lame. Like the, the cool kids didn't always do that. Right. I mean, are you, was yeah, that your yeah. experience? And we, I I went to a private school, like a religious private school for pretty much my entire education. Mm -hmm. I went to public school. Yeah, so I think it was a little bit better for me than for like for other kids, but I still saw that. Yeah. I didn't feel I like I didn't have a lot of challenging stuff in high school, but I definitely didn't connect to very much. I didn't feel like I was super interested in any of the classes I took. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not saying it was all their fault or the teacher's fault or anything. There just wasn't a, like a big connection. It's different for me now. Of course, I'm an adult now. But I see my kids. They are super curious. They're learning machines. Like mm -hmm. That's how they're born. Mm -hmm. It takes effort almost to, you know, talk them out of being interested in learning. And But, you know, I think a, it happens. a big, like, turning point or a big um, factor in that is that in school, you're, well, this is my experience, so I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like they are training you to learn to pass tests. Yeah. And Absolutely. so I feel like coming out of high school, I like I knew some facts, but I feel like I didn't love learning and I didn't really get much from it because, yeah, I got super great grades, but that's all it was. You know, it was mm -hmm. just the grades. Definitely. So I think, okay, so kind of backing up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So looking at our why. Okay. So our, our why for what we see uh, our purpose of education is uh, from a... Christ-centered perspective mm -hmm. is to become more like Christ and is to make more connections like what, what, fill, fill in the other the list of other whys for me real okay quick. yeah definitely I would say to um, be able to foster curiosity okay. there's oh what is it oh there's a really cool um, so perfect it's talking about the difference between um, helping kids get interested in something. And my philosophy is very much inspire, not require, because agency is so powerful. You know that from the plan of salvation. You know that um, God sent us here so that we could exercise our agency, and he did not allow Satan to take away that agency, even though we might be perfect. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't benefit us without the freedom to choose. Right. And um, I can't remember. Oh, is it Milton? Um, I don't have it close, sorry. But he just talks about how instead of being, there was there were two different philosophers, and one of the philosophers talked about how we, um, the child is like a vessel that needs to be filled with all this information and everything. Mm -hmm. And then he goes and like, his life is kind of like pouring it out or whatever. And then the other philosopher said, no, it's more like uh, a piece of wood, and you just need to ignite the wood. And so a lot of times that's what my job is as the, um, the mentor of my children's education is helping them find things like just experience a little bit of everything. We're involved in nature and all these different topics, science, math, history, art, music, poetry, all these different things. But I'm trying to help them 
find their own passions and their own interests and we follow the things that they're interested in. So curiosity is huge because when a child cares about what they're learning about, they've done scientific experimentation where they put all the different connectors on your brain and they watch which which areas of your brain light up. And when they're, you're doing something that is assigned to you versus doing something that you choose to do and that you enjoy doing, it's way more things light up in your brain when you're in charge of it. And it's on both sides of the brain, it's creative sides. And whereas the first one, when you're forced to do it, it's just a very small part of your brain and it's on one side of your brain. And so that tells us a lot. Um, and there's also been a lot of studies showing that we actually can't choose what we're interested in. So like- That's our, interesting. We're like, not, I hate to use the word dis- predisposed, but there there are certain things that are just inherently interesting to us. Yeah, and everybody knows like the kid who loved planes and later became a pilot. Some people are very driven from a young age. Other people discover things along the way they're interested mm-hmm. in. And some things are sort of like an inborn talent. Like my husband, Seth, is amazing at the piano and had very little training. And it's frustrating because I had more, I had more time with the teacher than he did. I probably didn't practice as hard as he did. But he has a very natural talent with it. And I'm still like, you know, working with a teacher, trying to foster my ability. And some of that is. It's who you are. It's right. gifts and talents you've been blessed with. And... Some of it is the work you put into it. And I think anybody can play piano with enough effort. Mm-hmm. But it's true. There are right. some things that are and, and, driven. And, and what I'm, I'm not talking necessarily about like your predisposition to skill. Uh, but I think these things are probably highly interrelated. But talking about there's a predisposition towards what we are interested in. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it it's something that I, I'm liking as we're talking uh, about the prospects of homeschooling. Or maybe even applying these prospects of, of education in a public or a private education sec, uh, setting, but this idea of uh, having principles you want to convey mm-hmm. and then figuring out, okay, what are the kids interested in and then helping them take those principles and then find them in that subject that they're already naturally interested in. Right. Because it doesn't make sense to take 20 kids and say, hey, we want, we want you to get these principles. So here's this one method of getting these principles. So I hope you, someone's interested in this one method. Right. Because Or this one topic for you to glean these principles out of. And that's a beautiful thing. Principle-based education is huge. It's one of the things I love about homeschool. And I, I, I think it's hard to find it in other types of schooling. And so um, you're looking for principles, and that's the reason I love the um, living books and classic books, and that's why we want to have these reading from the best books, because you're you're getting principles, but they're little nuggets inside a story. It's the same reason Jesus taught in stories. He told his parables to answer almost every question, Mm -hmm. because a story comes in and your heart likes it. It It knows how to understand it, and you don't have to explain every little thing about that parable. Your heart will decode it and learn the principle, but it's packaged, it's kind of candy-coated to be pleasing. And so that's the wonderful thing about it. So we read lots and lots. I get a scratchy voice at the beginning of every school year and while my my throat is trying, the vocal cords are trying to keep up with this new change. (laughs) But, but that's a that's one of the things is it builds character for them to hear these stories of noble men and women they're both true stories and fiction stories and historical fiction great works like shakespeare all kinds of different things and because they're young and they're exploring lots of different um ideas and they're creative they're playing they're pretending these things don't have to be super um, tangible they don't have to be concrete it's very flowy, and so they are very open. My kids love listening to Shakespeare because it doesn't, it's not as hard for them to get into as it is for my two high schoolers. They're very concrete learners. They're test takers. They know how to do well in a public school setting, but they get really kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. with some of the um, symbolistic, um, symbolic types of stories and fables and myths and things just because it's they're so used to learning a different way and just for the test and then move on with your life but my younger kids it's been interesting to see 
two different sets of kids going through a learning process. And my older kids are very bright and they do well and they've learned some Shakespeare in high school and stuff like that. Um, but, and I've been able to teach them a lot of things in the summer and we just, you know, do other things on the side and, and I think they've had some good people in their schools. So it's not like I am anti-public school. Right. There's just different offerings. And so to extract, you know, to, talking about principle-based learning, to yes. extract some principles from this, mm-hmm. we're talking a lot about how to apply these principles to homeschooling. But uh, as we all know, like there are, and a lot of you guys, a lot of our listeners, um, may not be in a situation where that is plausible, where that, where that can happen. Like maybe both parents are out of the home they're working for Mm -hmm. whatever reason or maybe it's a single parent household um so how can parents who are in a situation where maybe they even maybe they don't think that homeschooling is ideal or maybe they even think it's ideal but they can't Mm -hmm. do it for logistical reasons sure um how can they apply some of these principles we're talking about okay that's a great question one thing i would say is that Sometimes we feel like we've outsourced our kids' education to the experts. We've sent them off to school, and that's where that is taken care of. But really, it's not true. You're, as a parent, you're your fi- child's first teacher. You're also the most trusted source of every kind of information. And so remember that the time you have with your kids is valuable time on the weekends, in the evenings. Um, teach your kids to seek for truth. As they come home, they're going to hear things at school. They're going to have different kinds of Um, things presented. They may have this really good feeling about Columbus at home and then they go to school and maybe they're hearing like, oh, well, Columbus was a murderer and he did X, Y, Z. And then they come home and they've got these conflicting ideas. You know, what do you think, mom? Or what? Or maybe they've just totally taken on the other ideas or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so when you have discussions, it's helpful to not say, oh, well, that's wrong. What we believe, you know, whatever. Instead, discuss it. Help them seek for truth. And so maybe talk to them about original sources. Well, you know, Johnny, Columbus actually kept his own journals. We could go and get, um, order them off Amazon or get them from the library. And let's look and see what his own words say. What did he write down? And some of these other things that we're hearing about, we also need to remember there's a big difference in time periods from the 1400s to the 2000s. So let's try to put on these back in time lenses. And so I would say Wait, are you saying that people in the 1400s didn't live in the exact same universe as they do now? <laughs> no, but I'm saying don't take people out of their time period and hold them right. accountable to today's standards right. yeah. because things were very different compared to the other men on his ship. He was very humane and very right. kind, but anyway, there's there's things like that where you help your kids look for truth and true principles and also I find it's really helpful to have them remind them that um, there's always more than one side to a story and to look from different points of view. Anytime I feel, and that's true with government, it's true with all kinds of different topics and histories with people, but people are going to have their own slant when a history is written. And so read more than one book about it. I mean, when you have an opinion about Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Jefferson, read several books. Find out why somebody feels so strongly on one side and somebody else feels strongly on the other side. It's the only way to really be able to form your own opinion. Right, and I think this goes back to the idea of loving learning as opposed to loving knowledge because uh, if you if you are only focused on the knowledge that your kid had in, its head, in his head, um, you would say, as I came to you with things that you disagreed with, you would just say, oh, no, that's wrong. Like, this is actually right. Like you say, oh, like Columbus was actually this guy. And you, yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't walk through the process of learning. Yes. And so when you do that, like you were saying, like you're going through the process of learning with them. Definitely. Hopefully showing them like the logical conclusion that your opinion is right. Uh-huh. Uh, but if not, you're still showing them how to like figure out their own own or to figure this out for themselves in the future right because we want them to think for themselves another thing is i read a book one time that talked about very similar things but what kinds of um things we answer for our kids and it was like don't answer any questions for your kids question them back and get them thinking about it and i thought oh i don't do that i don't answer questions for my kids and so then throughout that day i was paying attention to it and holy cow i answer every question how many cupcake liner tins do we need mom i'm like 12 12 in this thing i'm like oh okay i should have said you know there's three on this row and four four columns or whatever yeah there are learning opportunities every 
everywhere. And so I have found that, I mean, I don't have to be a homeschool mom to do that. Mm -hmm. I just need to be a mentor. We often just, we solve all the answers for our kids. They already get that at school. Everything's been discovered for them. They're just there to memorize. Well, that's not very fun. That's not an Archimedes moment where he jumps out of the bathtub and says, Eureka, I've discovered it. You know, and he runs down the street without his clothes on because he's so excited. Our kids need Eureka moments. Mm -hmm. So we empower them when they have questions and they think about things or they make connections. And instead of answering it, you like feed it a little bit. Well, I don't know. What do you think about that? What was the source to that? Or, you know, it's something that's a little bit smaller. Well, I don't know if you had, if it was quarters instead of apples, you know, mm -hmm. how much money would it be? Change it a little bit, help them out. And, and sometimes it's just, they get frustrated when they're young and they're asked to do things that they're just not ready for yet. And that's always a hard one, but, um, but slow it down. Yeah. And I think that it sounds like it takes, you know, patience first off, uh, like willing to take the more, like be more intentional about your time and your interactions with, with your children, uh, which is something that we're, Emily and I are passionate about. The second thing is it kind of sounds like it also takes, uh, some humility because, um, at least for me, maybe my gut reaction, if like, they ask a hard question, is to say, like, oh, look, I know the answer. Uh -huh. But to be able to sit back and be like, no, like, let's kind of walk, like, walk through this. Like, let's engage in this learning process. Absolutely. And you are, will be surprised at what your kids can discover without your help. And it's better for them. Mm -hmm. It's a lot better for them to think it through, and it empowers them. It makes them feel like... They're, they know things worth knowing or they're smart like dad or like mm -hmm. mom and, and they can contribute and they can help and they want to be their little mini yous, you know? <laughs> well, and if you look at, I mean, this method at its core is the Socratic teaching method. Absolutely. I mean, that's what so Socrates uses if you read any of his writings. Like, it's all just one big Socratic teaching monologue. I'm a big fan of like, not <laughs> I guess Socratic teaching monologue is a little bit of a misnomer, but one big diatribe of a, a, di or a Socratic teaching method. Uh, but uh, Socrates' wisdom didn't come from his monologues. It came from the types of questions he asked. Like the, the he. I mean, he had like a very well formed picture of the world. Mm -hmm. But he still he would ask questions specifically aimed at helping flesh out the not his opponents but his teacher or the, his students' perspective. And so I re I really like that. Yeah, like definitely. Cool. Um, one thing I will say about patience is. When I started homeschooling, I only knew one homeschooler when I was in high school, and um, I thought she was really weird. And I just, that, like, to me, that was homeschooling. That's right. what homeschoolers were like. And so I just, and I mean, I'm going to be honest, I loved having a little free time during the day when my kids got old enough to go to school. So I get that mm -hmm. too. My youngest was four when I started homeschooling, so I never had all my kids in school. But I, I really had a hard time at the beginning giving up that that time that was coming to me that was going to be right. my time during the day. And I also wasn't very patient. And I think that was Seth's biggest worry was like, he was supportive 100%, but he was a little worried about my lack of patience and their need for my patience, you know, <laughs> and us being together all the time. Just like <laughs> me and my concerns. I can understand it completely. So yeah. um, I prayed about it and I, I thought, you know, I've gotten an answer. I went to the temple and got very strong confirmation. It was the right thing to do. And I just went ahead with it, you know, because that's what we do when we say, give me an answer, I'll follow it. Just as a side note real quick. Sorry, I like did a, a timeout hand sign, but you can't see that. Uh, so, uh, so temples, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are just they're special places that are separate from our church buildings where we meet every Sunday and our temples are places where we go and we make covenants for ourselves and for uh, our kindred dead so that's what she's talking about so we, we uh, in our church if we have any special questions or we need any special help from, from our Heavenly Father we go there and it's a place of, of calm and peace and meditation that's separate from the world so just so you know what we mean when we say temple anyway back awesome. to you sorry to, to yeah no no to. problem so um I, I was struggling with patience. I didn't know how bad I was struggling yet, you know, but I found out as we went along. But I have changed and I've gained so much um, through the experience of homeschooling, being with my kids all the time in the most beautiful ways. It's been like a personalized university for Courtney to change my character right. as I'm trying to help shape my children's characters. And which is beautiful. It makes so much sense. Wouldn't that be Heavenly Father's plan to help us grow right. 
at the pace that we're ready to grow and side by side, hand in hand, you know? And I'm not gonna say there's no challenges. I mean, I did go back to the temple three months into homeschooling and, and I told Seth, I just don't know if I can keep going. And and the answer to my heart was keep going. So I kept going yeah. and I'm so glad I did because some of those first obstacles, the very beginning of homeschool is incredibly hard because they're adjusting and you're adjusting and you're trying to figure out your learning style, their learning styles. There's so many different factors. I don't want to run out of time because I do want to talk about methods and philosophies for just a minute. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and do that? Okay. And then if we have any more time, I think I want to maybe ask a few more questions. I think our listeners might ask okay. about homeschooling in general. So let's get to the methods. Okay, awesome. When I started homeschool, I used a box curriculum because I didn't know how in the world I was going to teach every subject that they teach in school. Just one person, three different kids in different right. grades, different genders, different that interests. so complex. Oh, scary, yeah. right. So I started with a box curriculum mm-hmm. and it had all the different subjects and I even bought videos and TV players for my kids and they all watched them on their separate things and I was like, you know, grading their tests and everything, and it just self-imploded. In a few months, we were all at each other's throats, and it was really, really hard. They didn't love it, and it's not to say that it was wrong for everybody. I just met a lady yesterday who's doing the same curriculum with her high schoolers this year, and they love it, so mm-hmm. great. You have to find what's good you for do. your family. You do. Every family's going to look different, so for us... That TV did not work. My kids wanted me, and I really wanted them, and I just was trying to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. So we changed from there to an open-and-go curriculum, which was more like books, and I'm not having to study lessons or put together my own curriculum, but I'm just opening it, and the lesson is there. We're on Lesson 17 today, and it tells me, Mom reads this part, kids to interact this way. Here's some worksheets or coloring sheets. Then read the story. Here's the definition. It's very um, complete. And I liked that at the beginning because it was very um, prepared and it wasn't super hard, but it still had a lot of things that were each age group. And so that pulled me in a lot of different directions. It was juggling a lot of things, but some of the things were family style. We did history family style. We did a couple other subjects that way. Um, And I kind of got into a groove of my own time, Mm -hmm. how I would spend my time with the kids. But I was learning about Charlotte Mason. I was learning about unschooling. There's all kinds of different philosophies, and I, you know, kind of went a little eclectic using some of several different kinds. There's a classical education that a lot of and people like. And by eclectic, you mean taking pieces from different yeah. philosophies and I'm making it your own. A little bit of classical, a little bit of unschooling, a little bit of Charlotte Mason. You know, all these different philosophies and kind of piecemealing. I found myself doing that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, And there are so many good things. I would really highly suggest um, checking out The Good and the Beautiful, which is a newer homeschool curriculum. But she has, Jenny Phillips is the author of it, and she's incredible. She's really expanded it to lots and lots of subjects. And if open and go is what you're looking for, it is a great way to go. Um, But I also found that after a little while, my kids and I were struggling with that because um, of lack of agency. They didn't get to have any say in what they studied. It got back to where we were with the original box curriculum where it was like I was the taskmaster and they had to do all these things. And not to say that there isn't a place for that because I have an 11-year-old who really doesn't like to write. And um, I'm really worried, not worried, (laughs) I'm not at all worried actually, (laughs) but it's a little inconvenient at times and embarrassing for him when he's writing his letters backwards and his numbers backwards and, you know, he's, he just hates it and he pushes back so much. So there are things like that that now I've got some incentives that I've made it optional. Well, if you want to do some writing worksheets, because this is a skill and you've got to learn this skill and I know you hate it (laughs) and that's fine, but this Lego kit over here is um, yours for the taking if you want to do 30 sheets because, I mean, that's a prize. <laughs> and, all, you know, like within a day, he had done 30 sheets and he had the Lego thing. And a day later, he had the little electronic spider thing. And his handwriting has improved dramatically <laughs> in one week. So there's a place and a time for all of that. But right. the, um, the switch I made over was more, I mean, some Socratic method, but... They're young, and so we are doing, like, we're exploring. We're trying to get a foundation in all the different topics and different things. And I believe really strongly in the beauty of poetry, the arts, you know, the um, uh, theater and in beautiful pictures and in music. All of those things, it's the same as the parables. They come straight to your heart, and they teach you things that a lot of times words can't 
reach you in the same way. So I do a, um, I, the philosophy that I follow is called Well-Educated Heart, and it has a website called librariesofhope.com where there, um, there are hundreds more than that of books. A lot of them are from the 1880s to the 1920s, which is the golden age of children's literature, and they're all free. They're all online on her website, and um, Marlene Peterson is the curator, and she's been a real inspiration to me. So I use a ton of her books and a ton of her materials. I still use a little Jenny Phillips because I like the science. I like different topics and themes. I love all her book recommendations. Um, and then some things are just like, really honestly, the, the biggest influence is um, just daily prayers, the spirit guiding me. Because that's where the thought came to get those stamps out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because I had like this great master plan. It was because that morning I prayed and said, I've got a plan and... I'm okay with it, and I like it, but I'm, I know that you know better, so I'm going to try my best to be open. Please lead me and guide me today mm-hmm. to the things that my kids need to learn, the things that will be the best for them and the best for me and help me to please you in every effort that I make. And so the Spirit, I could write a whole book about just ways that the Spirit has inspired mm-hmm. me and blessed our homeschool, and it's a great experience for me as well as for them. Um, I'm also, I've, uh, I also use the Millennial Instructor which is um, a periodical. There's three issues of it, and it's incredible. It's written by Ali, I, Ali Cannon Eisenach, and that's millennialinstructor.com, I think. And we will include all of everything she is referring to in the, in the footnotes if you want to have access to those. So don't feel like you have to write them down right now. Like they'll be on, yeah. in the footnotes. Excellent, excellent. And um, I, there's currently a new curriculum. Did I say footnotes? Yeah, you did. I meant footnotes. <laughs> we know that you meant show notes. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, I apparently spent way too much time writing academic papers. <laughs> <laughs> we all know how that goes. There's another curriculum that's just coming out next month called Covenant Land. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm writing a couple of the lessons on that currently. It's all in editing right now. So it's, so it's exciting. exciting. Yeah, it's all about the Constitution and about preserving oh, our freedoms. Awesome. And it's, um, it's LDS-based, so there's a lot of uh, modern-day revelation and scriptures from our church. And so that's exciting to me, too, because there's not a lot of that out there. Um, Last two, I have two books, just recommendations. These are great books for mom to read because they you have to catch the vision. You have to kind of gather not just today's plan, but the whole big picture of why, you know, why and where. Going back to what we were going to, what we talked about at the beginning, you have to have a why at your core and you have to have your why down pat. And your why is in many ways more important than your how and your what because... If your why is down, then you'll figure out the how and the what. That's it. You just summed it up perfectly. So here are two books that fit that mold. Uh, The first one is Increase in Learning by David A. Bednar. It comes with a DVD, too, and it is so fantastic. It's very, very powerful. Um, Another one is Teach the Children by Mill Flinders. It's out of print, but it's not that hard to find on, like, Amazon or eBay or something like that. It's agency-based education. It's a very long book. It's pretty academic. I've only been able to read it in chunks at a time, but it is just chock-a-block full of wisdom and gems and things that help me in my everyday learning to understand the whole big picture. And so it is fantastic. Um, And just one quote that I wanted to share with you because I think this puts it all together in um, perspective. But this is by President Spencer W. Kimball. He was a prophet in maybe the 70s? Yeah, sounds right. Okay. He said, of all the treasures of knowledge, the most truly vital is the knowledge of God, of his existence, his powers, his love, and his promises. Through his knowledge, we learn that our great objective in life is to build character In fact, we learn that the building of faith and character is paramount, for character is higher than intellect, and perfect character will be continually rewarded with increased intellect. How can you beat that? Yeah, Yeah, I I think uh, in our society today, there's a kind of a big movement that has me a little concerned. Uh, We're trying to move away from a broad space, a broad generalized education and we're really focused on specialization right it's all job training now right um and i I think uh, i love that quote i'm trying to remember why i was bringing this up um i don't remember (laughs) oh well uh spencer w kimball if i I remember it this is a story from his life uh so he grew up on a farm 
in Idaho, maybe? I don't know. In, a, in, in the western United States, grew up on a farm, and I hope this is him. Someone's going to write me and tell me it's not him, it was somebody else. But <laughs> the story is still relevant. Uh, grew up on the farm. He wanted to go to school, but his dad was like, no, you're a farmer. Like, I can tell you everything you need to do to be a farmer. And he's like, no, dad, I want to go to school. And so he like, went, put himself through school, came back, uh, and... And he studied agriculture, but he studied agriculture among other things. And then he came back and he planted, he did something, he planted a field and then the dad came, dad came back out. No, he, he like grabbed soil samples and he was testing the soil to see what was on, what was, uh, what the acid, the acid level right. of the soil was. Uh, and the dad was like, what are you doing? And the son said like, well, I'm, I'm farming. Like, what are you talking about? Like, well, and then he explained it all. He's like, now that we figured this out, we can do this. Uh, and then the dad went inside and was like, and, and grabbed a book and started reading and started studying so he could be more like his son who gained this knowledge so he could be a better farmer. But then he went on to not only just be a farmer, but he went on, uh, Spencer W. Kimball went on to serve as the U.S. Secretary of, of Agriculture, and right. he did lots of amazing things around the world and was able to bless the lives of people in Europe and in Israel. He did lots of really cool things. And so. that was way back then. Today, our kids live in the age of information. If they need to know a fact, all they have to do is ask Alexa. So why are we still cramming their brains full of facts and spending all their time doing that when instead we could be working on their character, building them up as individuals, helping them to find truth, mm -hmm. and, and then there's time for that later. Whatever they're interested in learning, there's so many ways to learn it. Even college now is majorly online, and avenues that used to be closed Doors that used to be closed are very much opening to everyone. Right. So it's pretty exciting to be able to kind of change with the times and be able to empower our kids in, in ways that can really bless them, not just for now, but for eternity. I mean, we take our knowledge with us after this life, and yeah. that's a wonderful truth. Well, and the way that things are going with like automation and whatnot, uh, the ability or the skill of storing knowledge in our heads is becoming less and less valuable. And the, the skills that are more valuable are things like the ability to acquire mm -hmm. skills and the ability to acquire more knowledge. And so learning how to do that is more important than gaining any specific skill because of the, uh, the availability of information and the way information is going to be uh, transmitted and everything. Right. Also interpersonal skills, like in mm -hmm. jobs today, if a person can't get along with people, it doesn't matter what skills they have, they're a difficult person to have on the job. Mm -hmm. And they might have to just go because they just can't get along with people. Mm -hmm. And as much as we talk about socialization and everything, that's been the biggest thing that's, uh, you know, was a stumbling block in homeschool is that we constantly had you know, we're bumping into each other. We had different issues with each other and it was like everybody just wanted their way and you had there's so much give and take that a lot of times that was the lesson. It was how to get along mm -hmm. and how to be patient with each other and how to communicate. He can't read your mind. You're going to have to use words to express that to him right. that you don't like that. And, you know, if you get mad right away, do you like it when he gets mad at you right away? We've got to look at the natural consequences here. And, and there, I feel like that is one of the biggest things that is coming out of this is that they have great interpersonal skills and they're learning how to adjust to other personalities. And, and I see it transfer when they go to activities for church or Rush goes to archery or they have all these different things that they're involved in. Jack's on the swim team, Mary's on the basketball team. They, they have to work with all these different people and different teachers and whatever. And it is so, so valuable. They know who they are, they can get along with people, and they know how to find information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, how do you involve your husband? Or um, do you involve him? It's very natural. Okay. He works from home, so a lot of times he comes in during lunchtime or he'll, when he's around, he'll do things. But there's also things that my kids really, really want to do. Mm -hmm. And either it's not my specialty, like, oh, you know what? Dad has some really cool math games he can play with you. Or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then other times it is just, um, he just fills in the gaps. Like I've got a doctor's appointment or whatever. He's very flexible. Not all dads are going to be in the same shoes, right. but he's also super supportive of it. And so if he sees me falling asleep, reading a story in the middle of the day, he'll come and take it out of my hands and keep reading. So <laughs> things like that. Awesome. We're very close to the end oh, of the time. Okay. Um, I want to have her back though. <laughs> we, I think we will have you back because I think there was so much information, um, and... 
I mean, Courtney and I have spent a lot of time talking about politics and history and everything. And so you know that I I like to be very critical. And I think there was so much that we wanted you to get out that uh, I maybe didn't ask some of the more critical questions that I was thinking I wanted to ask that maybe our our listeners were thinking. Sure, this has been fun. Yeah, so I think maybe if we can get some listener feedback, figure out what you're interested in. Figure out if you have some like specific questions or you have some specific doubts or concerns or challenges to things she said. Let us know, uh, and I would love to to kind of to have you back on and we can talk about some of those more specific things. Because again, we shotgunned a whole lot of stuff, and mm-hmm. we would love to dive in on some specific issues. But Emily, takeaways. Yes. Oh, a lot, <laughs> a lot of takeaways. Let's see. Um, one thing that I really loved was just fostering this love of learning um and i i mean we want to do homeschool but like our kids aren't even in school yet so we're kind of still thinking and stuff Mm. um but i just love already considering the ideas of like fostering learning and loving of learning um instead of the structure of like grades and papers and things like that. Right, because the why of public school education seems to be different than our why of education. Right, so just... I'm going to fall off my ball here. (laughs) 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 Just, um, I lost my train of thought. Okay, well, I'll go for one of my takeaways. (laughs) Um, I really like this this concept of uh, public school education seems to be really driven, or just education in general, not just public school, because I went to private school and it was... I guess I was at a Christian private school, so it was a little bit different. But uh, education seems to be really aimed at giving people facts and skills and knowledge and maybe even like a love of learning. But uh, meaning has to be de- derived from somewhere, and it cannot be derived from facts. And when you are able to kind of be intimately engaged in the learning process of your children, you're able to let the spirit provide that meaning which i think is an awesome awesome thing so i think we're really close to being out of time thank you courtney so much absolutely thanks for having me thank you guys for bearing with us i'm sure you guys really enjoyed as much as we did yeah Uh, let us know if you have any more questions because i for sure want. yeah we'll for sure have her back on let us know your specific questions subscribe review all those good things we love you keep the faith (laughs) bye